This is the Anything Goes with Jackson Neal podcast. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jackson Neal, here for episode number 109. Today, I'm talking with Pell about his latest project, Gravity. But first, I just want to remind everyone that this podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and SoundCloud. It's also available on jacksonneilpodcasts.com, the go-to spot for everything that I publish. Also, today's episode has a video component. If you're on an audio-only platform and want to see the video, head down to the first link in the show notes and you can check that out. So, on his latest project, Gravity, Pell went in a really, really cool direction. In this podcast, he's going to talk about what kind of inspired the album. Why did he go in this way? The past couple years and how crazy they've been. He has a really, really cool story about a big-name movie that came out in the past several years I know you guys are going to enjoy. So, he talks about all of that in this conversation and a ton more. Here's my interview with Pell. When did you start working on this project, Gravity? Uh, I started working on it, I'd like to think, like, 2016. I had some tracks that uh, were going to be a part of it that wound up later being a part of Heat Our Soul, which is an EP that I released in 2017. So it was like a—it originally started as, uh, like, a very long mixtape. Like, I'm talking about, like, 20 tracks, which got shortened into six tracks and became, like, an EP— and then after that, I had leftover tracks that I, that I kind of, like, reweaved and built and fleshed out. And then, like, that's where the album came from. But the idea had been with me for about three years. So when you started in 2016, were you originally thinking I was going to make the EP? Or were you originally thinking I was going to make this project Gravity? Uh, I was thinking I was going to make this project Gravity. And I thought that, like, it was going to be a lot easier. But the way I was... The process in which I was recording at that time, I was working with uh, one of my like, collaborators at, the to- at that time that I worked with heavy, 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 um, was Billy DeLellis. Okay. And we produced four of the tracks, four out of six of the tracks on uh, Hirasol, which was good for that sound, but I think that I was going for an even bigger sound for the album. So that's when we kind of got a bunch of different collaborators to come in and kind of help out, and that's when uh, we realized that we had to separate the two in a way, and and that's where EP came first, which was a little bit more um, stripped down, if you will, even though it still has great big sounds. Um, And then, uh, you know, full-length album, which is incredible. So, yeah. So... You said you had 20 tracks, which, you know, and you whittled it down to six. I always find this interesting with artists. How are you able to pick those those six tracks for that EP you had? Uh, with help. I mean, like, I have a vision, and I think that it's very clear in terms of what songs I want to make. But um, in terms of how it's received and how, like, even sequencing and sequencing and everything from tempos and key changes in terms of how that all goes into one another i feel like that's certain things that i need help with like those certain things and sometimes i think it's it's good to have people in the room that are around you kind of like giving you feedback so it's a team effort and there's people that maybe not even be mentioned that were in the room one day while i was making something that contributed to how i feel about its reception before i put it out you know 
Yeah, definitely. It's like it's crazy how many people sometimes influence you just with either a comment here or there, you know? Exactly. And that's like, and, and especially when, like, with me, I make so much music. Like, I just dropped an album. I'm making the next one's damn, I'm not going to say that, but like, I have so many tracks already done, like, mm -hmm. in, in, in the wake of like three weeks, you know? And I think, and I think um, it's just, it's key to keep having people that you can check in with to see if you're in your head too much about like a record and if i think that like okay let's say let's take uh petrichor for example petrichor was one of the first songs recorded on this album like definitely i think like the first that actually made it on the album that was the first recorded song so and that was going to be on the ep mm -hmm. so i felt like knowing that i wanted to do an ep and knowing that you know i also wanted to kind of shock people in terms of like having something that's so groovy and so um, up tempo to begin with I thought that it was it was just smarter to to keep it on the the album but when I had conversations with people that really further solidified it or not just people but like my people so mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah so like I thought that that was it was it was very helpful to talk to my brother it was good James you know uh, Jamie Seville you know I bounce a lot of ideas with him um, just friends you know yeah, have that, have that inner circle of people you trust their opinion with. Yeah. So, so you say you, you're always constantly making stuff. How long of a process, I guess, all, all for these tracks, how many tracks did you make in this album? I know you had those 20 tracks and you had it, then the other 14. How many, how many total was there, I guess, is my question. That's such a difficult question, bro. I'm not even going to lie to you. Probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, like 70. Oh wow! Yeah, there's a lot of tracks. Like I, I go to the studio probably on average when I'm in a recording mode. I, I go to the studio probably three to four times a week. So it's kind of, and I'm talking about working with different producers and like coming up with different sounds, something that's fresh every time and from scratch. So oof, there's so many, and everything to me is a demo until it's finally mixed and mastered. So like there were so many records that just didn't even go through that process so yeah it's probably even more than 70 I, but i'd say like strong songs 50 to 70 yeah oh wow so like how long do you spend on each individual song when do you know to like spend a little bit more time on this one or no this 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 track doesn't deserve that i guess uh it's the demo it's like the energy behind a song like some songs do require like oh let's add all this extra production let's add all this like, let's add a, a key change, let's add a, you know, tempo change, whatever, you know, to make it even more interesting and intricate and part of a, a, the larger body of work. But I think that happens only after an amount of time. Like, I, I don't think that every song is revisited. Therefore, a lot of these songs that are from the record were made, like, in terms of structurally or how, how much I, uh, how in terms of how much input I actually put into the record in a day or two days, max, like probably like two days in terms of like, you know, creating the song, creating all the lyrics, get, getting notes together on like what should be changed, doing that, maybe one other revision past that, and then sending the mixing master. So a lot of the times it's like, it's really two days that I feel like the song is being created. And then as it, you know, as we figure out if it needs to be in the album or not, uh, that's when more attention is, is given. Gotcha. So 
I want to touch on this title a little bit, Gravity. When did that when did that name come to you in this process? Oof, that name has been with me for probably like four years, five years. Um, I, I wanted it to be a part of the Floating series, and I call the Floating series. My first project was called Floating While Dreaming, which is inspired by Richard Linklater's um, uh, film. Oh my God, it's skipping me. Waking Life, and I have uh, that was leading towards the the middle, like part of the trilogy, which was Limbo, which later became an EP, um, and that's supposed to be like. And I'll, I'll actually I'll go back so. Floating While Dreaming, the whole um, genesis of where that came from was this film that covered lucid dreaming and covered um, just like existentialism in a very creative way using rotoscope. Shout out to Richard Linklater, like one of the greatest directors um, ever. And it really inspired me to get into lucid dreaming, started doing that, and I, I kind of didn't like it, so I kind of like got off of that like very quickly, probably like two months at that. But while I was working on this record, um, it inspired me to make stuff for people that are dream chasers or goal chasers, you know what I mean? And the point A, like it can be like the, you know, the uh, inspiration of your dreams, the point Z, the fruition of the fulfillment of your dreams. Sometimes you can be working so hard that it feels like you're going through the motions or essentially floating while chasing your dreams, floating while dreaming. So it was meant to be like a breath of fresh air for all those people who were you know, going through the day-to-day. Like uh, yeah. Yeah, like day-to-day grind, just for the everyday people. Um, and people that I know, really, it's for my homies. Like, I feel like that's what inspired that record. And because of that, I wanted to make it a trilogy because I wanted it to be about, like, evolution, like, not staying the same. Because your dreams change. You sometimes conquer, conquer your dreams, and you don't know what the, what the hell to do next. And that happened to me. You know what I mean? I had a lot of opportunities. I'm talking, like, you know, won the Spotify Emerge competition, uh, had tracks on, like, was able to be a part of La La Land, like, was doing, you know, uh, commercials with Samsung, you know what I mean? And um, I, I was in a state of limbo because I had achieved so many things that I had to create and set new goals for myself. And um, I think once I, once I dropped that project, I was able to go on tour and it put in perspective um, how my music is received. That's what I love about like live performance. It's really, it's really good to, to show you like what the energy is around what you're doing. And um, from that, I took that with me, what I learned on that tour in terms of what I wanted to do and created gravity. That's why I think a lot of gravity in terms of from the jump with Petrichor, Skyfall, um, uh, Show me, bitch ass, all of them really. Um, there's a there's a move towards people being able to groove to it instead of it being too cathartic and too uh, like backpacky okay. um, or R and B ish, I guess. Because I, I slip into that sometimes, but I felt like it was more coming out of the gate, um, a little bit more higher energy, and that, that was something that I wanted to get across because I, I I've been performing live shows for so long that it feels like I want the the energy that I see in those shows to be reciprocated by the music I'm putting out, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I think uh, listening to it, I could pick up on those melodies. It's, you know, the melodies on, on this project are really, really strong, and they yeah. all of them made me want, you know, all of you, I could pick, you know, now, now that you mentioned that, I can picture myself at a concert or anybody at a concert, you know, moving to that and having a little fun. That's the, hey, and so that's where we got to, 
So going back to the trilogy, that we we arrived at gravity. I'm talking about the sonics behind it, but I think even furthermore in terms of the the why and the reason why I felt like I wanted to do it was it was the third installment. Meaning in in four gravity, I felt like it was more of a coming back down to earth, feeling centered and and being able to speak uh, about a wider way of things because of the amount of time being put in. And I felt like this was really an album that was about New Orleans and about. Uh, what inspired my career at, at its inception in terms of uh, the, the type of music I made and the relationships that I built uh, since then and was really a breakdown of, you know, it starts with uh, my boss from Subway, you know, talking about how, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not doing my job. And this is, like, based on a true story, right? I used to work at the Subway at an airport. I was a different type of artist, sandwich artist, you already know. So... Uh, did that and it was funny because I started taking a lot of trips and eventually made it in the way that like I was making money and enough for me to leave and I feel like that's where that story starts and it kind of takes off where like you know that's why it goes into Petrichor like all these blessings are happening for me as soon as I left that situation so it's kind of like it's, it's showing how I'm getting showered with all this love and blessings, Petrichor. It's, like, too good to ignore that Petrichor. Going on to Skyfall, where it's, like, you kind of miss home a little bit. And, bitch ass, you're kind of missing home a little bit more to the point where, you know, we get to um, we get to pass by where it's, like, certain relationships you've cut off. Um, and I felt like as the story goes down and down uh, the track list, it's kind of, like how I sunk into where I am now. And then at the end, Nola Grown is me just never forgetting where I'm from. You know what I mean? And that's really what the record is for me. So gravity is about home and it's about finding, uh, uh, finding yourself and remembering that uh, you can define yourself, but never, never let yourself get into a point where you can't redefine yourself. You have to constantly be redefining yourself. And I feel like that's for everybody that listens to my music. I hope that they're consistently evolving and changing just like I feel like I have. And that's what, that's what it's about. Like being centered, but being able to, to see that, you know, if you want to, you can still, you know, keep floating. And uh, that's, that's what it is. So I find that kind of interesting that one part you talked about, like, having all these like blessings come about you and that that's great but there's also these kind of like negative feelings that sometimes come along with them and some difficulties that come along with them so i guess what take me back to that time when all these great things were happening what was your mindset like then in terms of you know you say you were missing home or you know other feelings like that well i was like super recluse i feel like there is a phase for a lot of gravity there was a lot of me being alone i feel like in in terms of how I was creating. Um, that was a product of, like, prior to that project, my brother had just moved back to New Orleans and then eventually went to B school, business school. Shout out to Micah, he's amazing. Um, and, yeah, just, like, friends kind of, like, figuring out their own paths and, like, my relationships with the people that I had moved to L.A. with were kind of, um, changing like the nature everybody became like as you grow up everybody gets like busy finds their their niche their own things yeah yeah so it's kind of like the things that um, I started paying attention to um, or the things that I guess I had paid attention to before were always like my career and I felt like 
uh, a lot of times I didn't give the, the relationships that type of attention. So the the main feeling that you're, you're hearing in a lot of, like, or that I feel uh, came through in a lot of the records was that longing for, like, you know, reestablishing those connections because I come out on a whim to do, you know, to, to, to live my life. So, like, it's kind of like a, you know, but now it's 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 balanced. I feel like since I started writing that album, it was more of a, a note to self in a way where I kind of like had more people back in my life, and now I'm like, I feel like I'm pretty balanced, you know. So you said there that you almost were kind of like you know a recluse when kind of starting out in this project. And I read some stuff online. You were like saying you were calling yourself a hermit kind of thing, um, yeah. and and even now. But earlier in the interview, you kind of mentioned how important it was getting advice from other people about, you know, picking out your songs and stuff. So I guess, how is your approach different when you were creating music more alone than when you're recently now, I guess, when you've had more input from others? Um, I guess it's just, that's a good question, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I guess this is just more of me realizing that um, music is communal. Music is meant to be shared. That's why we release it. That's why we want it out in the world. And it, as long as I wrote it, it'll always be me. There's a there's a part of me that used to feel entitled to to kind of picking the narrative that people get from my music instead of having an open communication and like dialogue about my music before it's released or before I decide that like a song is finished or something like that. And working with a lot of people on music and like actually having sessions even where there was, you know, five people in the room or four people in the room. Cause I'm coming from sessions where it'll just be me and a producer or just me writing in a, in a room by myself. And you know, that's good. It's good for, like, channeling a certain type of energy, but there's something special about sharing that moment of inspiration with others because you, you get so many different perspectives that you paint an even broader picture in a way that people can get what you're saying and also apply it to them. There, Or not even just that, like, even from sonically, there may be people that have listened to something that I didn't hear. You know what I mean? They have that information that they're able to share with me, and it in turn makes my music better. And I think that that was something that I had to open myself up to outside of like, you know, because there's those sessions sometimes where it's like, oh, da da da, you can't can't say no to this person, or like you want to do sessions with certain people, and therefore you you get into a, a system of like only doing specific things, and it's all about keeping that door open to to have influence pour through, you know. Certainly, and what I, what I find so cool about this is like you're mentioning how you figured out music to be more communal and this input, and you also mentioned how this project, you made it for the live show, for other people to enjoy as well communally. I find that kind of an interesting thread between the two things you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, that's all it's about. I mean, like, at the end of the day, you can go into your room and write whatever, like, you can write the, the what, Tame Impala, Currents, you know what I mean? You can write, like, a masterpiece, like, shout out to him. I think, like, it's, it can be done, but I do think that what makes it more rewarding for me in my, in my personal experience is having that connection on two different levels, from moment of inception to moment of fruition. It, it comes full circle, you know? Mm, definitely. So one track specifically I wanted to talk about was the closing track where you have P.J. Morton featured, a fellow New Orleans artist. Can you tell me oh, about yeah. 
about working with him, you know, this project's about going back home, and that last track is so New Orleans-based. Why'd that track to end it off, and what was so special about that? Uh, I, I, I love that track, man. Uh, it's really, I love the, this ain't an intro, still what you here for. I love that because that, to me, was kind of like, okay, this is like the third time around project-wise. Um, and if you're listening by now and you've been through the whole album, probably you've listened to all my other work. If not, you should go back. But like, uh, it, it, it feels like it's, it's, it's just where we started. You know, I remember, I love this quote from a Jay-Z album. Um, you know, treat your last like your first and your first like your last. Um, and I think that, or it was probably the other way around. And I think that like, that's how you should treat every album, and that's how I treat this, everything I do. I treat it like it's the first time I'm, I'm doing it. Maybe you know me, maybe you don't, but I'm going to act like this is the first time you ever heard a word from me. And I feel like that's where the story came from. The story was like, this is actually how I did start, and comparing it to different cars that I drove and kind of like the drive that I have for what I do being the metaphor. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, this is what I did to get where I, like, to get where I am today, and that's pretty much it. And I think I'm at a great, comfortable place of being able to create, and that's that's all we're trying to do is raise the glass ceiling. And I and I hope that I can do that with New Orleans artists. So PJ was able to do that for me. Like PJ has been on my first project. He was on Little Things. Like P, like he was on the fourth track, the third track of the last album. Like I mean, the first album, and that's. A beautiful thing to have somebody of PJ, you know, play with Maroon Five. He, yeah, like Grammys. Come on, like this. This man is crazy. Let alone Gumbo, the out crazy. So like, for him to have the faith in me uh, when I first started um, and kind of like help spearhead um, my verification if you will in like the new orleans music scene like him just being like blessing me with that type of cosign and kind of like really believing in what i was doing not just the cosign just being like a friend you know what i mean and, and helping um i thought that it was important to have him on there if i'm talking about like the first people from new orleans who gave me that you know yeah and, it, it ties everything together certainly oh definitely and nola grown is actually a company uh founded by uh good friends of mine um there's there's four of them but I, like i'll talk about my main friends Emmett charles and brent delarge um and i thought that it was really cool for me to actually put them back in 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 the narrative because i used to record a lot of times actually at their offices um when i was just getting started so that's why it's called nola grown they're 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 still out of new orleans and they're still based um, in New Orleans, but they did a lot of great things for the community and uh, built, rebuilt like Project Melanie. Uh, Melanie um, is where it's like a recreational park and it's, it's where my brother used to play football. So it was cool to see all the community work that they've done for the city and kind of like um, model. I really want to model what I do after that in a, in a musical space, um, the things that they've done for the community. So it's, yeah, it's like influences all around. That's awesome. Um, see, this is something I just want to get back to now towards the end of this interview. You mentioned something about La La Land, that you helped out on that. Yeah. 
Can you tell me a little bit about that? I, I was looking at you up. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about and what you did? So that came about, shout out to Ryan Spinson, who's actually on the project uh, as well. He plays trumpet at the end of Nola Grown. Um, and he plays on me. He plays on a lot of records, actually. Uh, but uh, he was working for Lionsgate, and he reached out to me. Um, this is like three years ago. Reached out to me. Um, telling me that they were working on a project, you know, he told me Emma was involved, told me um, Ryan Gosling was involved, and I was like, oh, like, I definitely want to be a part of that. Um, and they were working on specifics for the first scene where it's the car driving scene, like, mm -hmm. where, yeah, Another Day in the Sun or whatever, I think is the actual musical number. Um, they, uh, yeah, so the, the director and the guy who's scoring the project reached out to me and told me like day of when they were trying to record something like, are you free? Or I think it was the day before they were like, are you free tomorrow? Like da 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 time or like today, da 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 time. And uh, you can come like over to the hills. I went to this studio. It was really cool. Um, and you know, they played, they played for me like the ideas that they had and they also played records of mine that they had heard and were kind of like, I just walked in there kind of freestyled it and I free the like second thing I freestyled wound up being what's playing in one of the cars. So yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was cool. It was a cool like brief interaction but um something that like really influenced me. And and since then I've done like spec things for movies and stuff that I can't talk about yet. But like just like stuff that I think has been it's re energized me for sure. Again, a big thank you to Pell for coming onto the podcast. Remember, go check out Gravity right now. It's a really, really good project to go out and listen to. Go down into the show notes. There, you'll find a link to check out Gravity on your favorite streaming platform. Also, where you can go follow Pell so you can keep up to date on all the stuff he has coming up. And with that, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Anything Goes with Jackson Neal. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast on your favorite platforms because that does a lot to help grow the show. Remember, new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. For more episodes, go down to the show notes and visit the link to jacksonneilpodcasts.com. There you'll find all of the episodes to this podcast, as well as the Jackson Neil Music and Sports Podcasts. New episodes of the Music Podcast on Sundays, with the Sports Podcast coming on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're a big fan of the show, maybe consider becoming a subscriber on Patreon. For just a couple dollars a month, you can get access to bonus content for my interviews here on Anything Goes, including today's with Pell, where I asked him about the New Orleans Pelicans and their uh, new look team heading into this upcoming NBA season, some of his favorite movies that he likes to watch, and other stuff like that. And on Patreon, you also get access to bonus segments from both my sports and music podcasts. I write, record, and produce these podcasts myself as a full-time college student, so any little bit of support really, really does go a long way. Link to Patreon down in the show notes. If you want to stay up to date on everything I'm doing, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JacksonNeal20. Today's music is by Analog by Nature with their song CDK Sunday. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you all next time.